0: You need Indeed. The Bucks won a NBA championship. Yeah. What? What? He tries to take a pulse, fake. Watching that basketball game, like, caused health problems for me. Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this I am not gonna say it, that sounds too bad. No, going good, roll. No, no, no no, 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 no. Happen.
1: If
0: the Bucks do win it all, Pat Connaughton's number should be in the rafters. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, probably a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the Eurostep Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish, one of your hosts, and I am joined as always by the little bit tired, but still full of cheer. I was going to say Christmas cheer, but it's August. Feels like Christmas because I got to watch Team Greece today. But all that aside, I'm joined as always by Rohan Kadi, the one and only. Sir, how's it going?
1: Good, good. Uh, I'm not my twin anymore. I don't know what that character was last time. I'm uh, glad to
0: hear it. It's over.
1: The bit's over. Uh, You know, you got to try stuff sometimes, you know. Uh, But I'm doing well, Uh, doing well. Obviously, it's good to see Giannis highlights back on the timeline. Uh, He'd play basketball. Uh, for the Greek national team, but doing doing well, doing well, Ty.
0: Yes, we are actually not here today to talk all about Team Greece. We will be by at least, or by the latest next week, early next week, we will recap both of the first two games. So Greece played Spain today, Tuesday, as we record. Giannis looked great, 30 and 10 in like 20 minutes. He missed a total of one shot from two and one shot from three. Unfortunately, he also did miss three free throws, but still shot 70% from the line. Um, But we will break down the whole team. Giannis, Thanasis, the two Milwaukee Bucks. Alex, unfortunately, as Eugene predicted on our last podcast, which was a preview of said Greek national team, he predicted that correctly. Um, So go listen to that for a deep dive um, beforehand on Team Greece, but we will be back with more coverage. But today, we've got something, actually, one more thing before we get to today's show. I just want to Ooh. put out a plug. We haven't done this specifically in a while, I think. The Eurostep Discord, the Euro Group Discord. It's it's all of GSPN. Because there is chatter in there every day on the Bucks, the Brewers, the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's not talk about that anymore. But the Brewers, there's Brewers chat if you're a masochist. And even the Green Bay Packers, other sports, all sorts of things, everything Wisconsin sports. We got it covered in there. And today I'm thinking about it even more because. I watched the game because I am a person who may occasionally sometimes watch sports during the day on the job, and we had a nice little group, not even little actually, we had a nice group of Discord folks live chatting about the game. Every cost this moment, the Gnostics getting in there and almost hurting guys as one does. Of course, Giannis' domination, uh, and it was great. So if you want to chat about the upcoming Greek games or Brewers games or anything else, Uh, make sure to get in there. You can find the link at gspn.info. And also, one more benefit here. I did everyone tag with a link when the game went live. So if you're going, how do I watch this? I can't figure it out. We're going to continue to try and share links, make sure everybody in the cord is ready to watch because these games rule. Like We're going to do a full pod, multiple pods, but it is fun to watch this Greek team. So you're going to want to join up, not miss a single game. For sure, it's
1: it's a great community. Check out gspn.info to get that link. Uh, it'll get, take you to a form so you can fill out, so you can we can get you into the Discord. Come have fun with us; it's a great time. Like honestly, it's just a fantastic community. It's a fantastic time. We'd be happy to have you.
0: A thousand percent okay. To the fact at hand, less than four minutes. We're not doing that bad here in terms of getting sidetracked. Follow, rate, review, subscribe. YouTube, pod platforms. Gspn.info. Find it. Maybe ramping GSP or revamping gspn.info soon. TVD BTW, FYI. Okay. TLDR. TLDR. Uh, that's, I think, how everyone feels about most of our podcasts. Uh, we did another mailbag pod for today's episode, but it's a lot different. Oh, it's a bit different. So instead of just taking a bunch more listener questions, which were fantastic, we do appreciate everyone who sent in questions. And we did take some. But we're only going to answer one of those today. We wanted to do kind of a, I guess, deeper dive per question. And really, I think as Bucks podcasters and Bucks fans who mostly communicate with other Bucks podcasters and Bucks fans regarding the team, I think we wanted to get out of our bubble a little bit. So we reached out to some of our favorite national NBA podcasters and asked them what's on their minds going into the Bucks next season. We also did do a call out to our mobile number for more great bucks questions from listeners, so we've got one of those at the end as well. So we will announce, you know, who asked basically the best question, so to speak. Uh, so we will get there, but very excited to dive into these questions, Rohan. Yeah, I'm very
1: excited. Uh, we have a good lineup here, just like you know the what what's a good word to describe this cognoscenti of, of what the is, NBA?
0: What, what did you say? cognoscenti? Oh, is that like a mafia term? No, I don't think so. What's oh. the definition? I don't know. I said cohort. That's I don't know if that's right either. Collection. Infinity For people stones. who
1: are considered to be especially well informed about a particular subject.
0: Oh, you nailed it. You've been you've been crushing me on vocab lately, I won't lie. Have I? Yeah, remember uh tertiary? Oh yeah. You're <laughs> running up the numbers here.
1: Uh, but yeah, we have a, we have some good questions here uh, from some of the best in the business. Ty, what's our first one here?
0: Our first one is actually two. So giving a shout out to both the first person to get back to us and the only person to offer two questions when asked for one. Just too much curiosity about the Milwaukee Bucks to be limited to one question. So Dan Favale, NBA writer at Bleacher Report and host of the Hardwood Knocks podcast Here on Blue Wire Network as well, at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E, on Twitter. An incredible follow, an incredible pod too. I really love the detail that Dan goes into. So well done. Every single team. I don't know how he does it. Um, Not enough sleep, as he regularly mentions on his podcast. Dan, get more sleep, my guy. Uh, But so I think think folks will be able to tell just from the questions themselves the amount of care that Dan puts into covering the league. So I'll do the first one. I'll let you read the second one or this is going to feel like an audio book with me narrating. Again, <laughs> love it, Dan. No offense. We love the attention to detail, but we'll go one at a time. So number one, given the Ingles injury and Milton coming back from wrist surgery, is there a chance Marjon Beauchamp actually gets real reps as a rookie? I know we always over-romanticize how valuable certain rookies are and that contenders must operate with immediacy. But Milwaukee's wing, rota- wing rotation kind of falls off a cliff after mid Pat and West, the latter of whom is a million years old and was way too important to them last postseason in a good but also unsettling way. Even if it's just to buy some regular season minutes, and he's not considered a 16 game player, wouldn't it behoove Great word, the Bucks to showcase him, or is he better off just getting more extensive burn in the G League where they can allocate more offensive usage to him? It's an interesting question. I feel like top of mind for a lot of Bucks fans, Rohan, what are your large marge immediate rotation thoughts?
1: It's bow clamps, by the way. Don't try to sneak that one past me. Um, if, first of all, great question. Thank you, Dan. It, this is something that we've touched on a little bit in the past, right? We talked about uh, in the pod after we learned that Middleton was going to be having surgery, that, hey, this might be a chance for Bochamp to actually get, like he might he might get some starting starting minutes here. Uh, with Middleton out uh, for the start, of, presumably out for the start of the regular season.
0: Maybe potentially even.
1: Potentially. We're, we're sure. Potentially. potentially. Yes. At least coming there's back a probably
0: a little slower.
1: Yeah, there's a chance. Not to say it's neither confirmed nor denied. We have no idea whether he's going to be back or not. So if Middleton is indeed out, we postulated that Beauchamp might be able to actually see a starting role because one, it's the start of the regular season. You want to get guys Uh, Like the vets and the regulars, like sort of, you don't want to go too hard right away, right? Because you got to save your minutes for this team. This team, the postseason is obviously what matters most compared to the regular season. But if you get a guy like Bochamp, like I feel like the the hype has sort of died down a little because obviously summer league's over. We have Giannis playing now. Who wants to talk about rookies? But Barjan, Bochamp, we were all super, super excited to see him. Uh, like what he had to show after his summer league performance. We need to let that translate into the NBA, or at least we need to see if that translates into actual NBA basketball. The only way to really see if that's true is by trying it, right? You can't you can't know if he's gonna translate or not if you don't play him. Like Dan's right, the the wind rotation is sort of it sort of does fall off a cliff after Middleton, Pat, and Wes. Can Bochamp take a week? Can he actually fulfill fill a role in the rotation? I think so. We've talked about it before. He has, NBA theoretically, has NBA-ready defense. He has good uh, movement skills off the ball on offense. Obviously, he's not going to handle the ball a lot or do a lot of on-ball actions when he's playing for the for the Bucks in the NBA. He's not ready for that yet. But you have to get him some reps. It can be very, very useful. And we've seen it before. Bud's done it with Dante, their last first round pick, the only first round pick of the Bud era, realistically. Uh, So if you have, like, we've seen it before with Dante. I think we do see it again with Bochy.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Dante, and I was pulling up the numbers here. If I look distracted on YouTube, that's why. So, and I do think this has been, this is not an original thought. I think Eric Name has covered it in detail. I know others have too, but... You look at this idea that Bud doesn't Bud doesn't trust rookies, Bud doesn't play rookies, etc. Like, just Bud doesn't play f- picks in the 50s, high minutes from game one. Probably a good idea on a contending team, quite honestly. But the 18, 19 bucks, I'll never forget. I was talking to, I believe it was Dave Dean, who was then the Herd GM. Just chatting about Dante. I think this was maybe Chase Buford's intro press conference at that time. Um, unless it would, I think it, I, I don't remember, but it was some, some herd event and just chatting about Dante and the excitement, right? Cause they haven't, they hadn't had too many first round picks. Everyone was excited about Dante. And I thought I kind of basically asked, you know, are we going to get to see him a lot or kind of assuming we'd get to see him a lot because coach Bud, even I think that at that point people knew he didn't love playing rookies and you know, the herd, it's just seemed like a, a smart place. And I got some like mild pushback, like, ah, I don't know if he's going to be down here. And I was like, oh, ah, yeah, we'll see. Of course, that's what you say. Dante did not start, but played at least 20 minutes in both of the first two Bucs games that season. He was basically a rotation player until getting injured about uh, a month after he first debuted in that first game. We're talking about a Bucks team that had Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton, Dante, of course, Tony Snell, Sterling Brown, Pat Connaughton, who was certainly not looked at the same, but he was there, and he wasn't a rookie, right? He's a veteran. And Matthew Della all at the guard kind of two-ish position. De- Deli was there. I forgot about Deli De- was indeed there. But Dante plays 22 minutes game one. Only Ersan plays more on the bench. Like, doubles up Tony Snell in that first game, first night of the year. So I think certainly even with, you know, the team is overall better now, especially with Chris either potentially missing time or maybe not playing a full load right away. We'll see. And Engel certainly not playing for at least a couple of months. I think we will see Beauchamp get to play. Maybe not start as we posited. Maybe he'll be a starter if, if Chris is out. But I think certainly uh, it would make sense for him to play. And I would expect that he will for all of the reasons Dan laid out. And I think the playoffs part, it'll just be we'll see. You know, we'll see. I don't think he'll be totally denied from it. I do think he'll have to play really well or someone like Ingles would have to be kind of disastrous. But I, I think certainly there's a chance. And honestly, it'll probably be really important how Beauchamp starts off the season because you assume there'll be more minutes for him early, barring other injuries, with Chris coming on slow and Ingles not going to be ready right away, although you never know how a season can shake out.
1: Yeah, like one thing about Bud is he gives guys chances to prove it. He gives them a short lease leash occasionally, uh depending on the player and what they're how they perform, but he does give everyone a chance to really like say, hey, what can you do out here? So he's gonna give Bochamp a look. I think so. Is he gonna use him in the G League a lot? I I doubt it. I don't I don't really oh, that see was my, that other,
0: my other stat. Do you know how many games Dante has played in the G League in his career?
1: I think it's like two, isn't it? Four. Or one? Four oh, four. Good.
0: Yeah. Four total games. So it's not, they they didn't do it very often. Um, Maybe, maybe it'll be different. You know, if it's really just like Bochamp isn't playing at all because angles look so great and everyone's healthy, maybe we'll see him down there, but they certainly did not take the approach of saying like, okay, Dante, you're going to, you know, you're just going to play in the G league and that's where you're going to be at.
1: Yeah. So I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I do think, I do think they're going to give him a chance. I think we're, I don't know if we're going to see him start game one. I don't think so. Even if Chris is out, I doubt yeah. it. I think he's playing, I think he's playing game one.
0: I think so too. Um, as long as obviously if he's healthy, uh, oh, yeah, everything. Yeah. Dante, yeah, 18 19 season, four games, average 28 minutes a game. And that's, that's all he ever played in the, probably all he ever will play in the G League. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good question. And I do, I, I think most people, I would say who are plugged into the Bucks expect him to play right away. It also helps that, you know, when's the last time we've seen Milwaukee this high on a player they drafted publicly Dante, if ever, since horse took over. They were certainly high on Dante internally,
1: uh, but yeah. they didn't, they didn't, I don't know if they showed. I can't recall if they showed it externally as much.
0: They Jason Kidd joked about, uh dj wilson not rebounding well when they drafted him so we're certainly i think higher on do on on marjan than we were on dj wilson hey you don't need to convince me about marjan did anyone say anything about thon am i just blocking this out yeah well i mean he started yeah that's true a much different circumstance
1: yeah, that's why, that's why now with my Thon Maker memorial start, where it's just like start him for 10 minutes and then he's out the rest of the game. It was, no, it was crazy that year because they were starting two rookies. They yeah. were starting Brogdon and Thon.
0: And one of those was a good decision. Yes.
1: Both of them were good decisions.
0: Okay. I got you to agree initially. Uh, any other thoughts on, on Bochamp? I mean, I think there's another question where we'll probably circle back to him a little bit that I think is interesting. But... Overall, yeah, I, I certainly think he'll play at least coming off the bench in some role. And it'll be really intriguing, you know, if he does play well, if that role grows, if it maintains as the team gets a little healthier, hopefully, and what it looks like in the playoffs. For sure.
1: It's just like I don't know. If he if he has any chance of having a postseason role, it's because he absolutely brought it during the regular season.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, if he looks good but like rookie good where it's like okay he's making a lot of those rookie mistakes i think it's fine if he doesn't play much in the postseason quite we
1: saw during the title run we saw a freaking elijah bryant play that's that's a good point like Uh, anything's possible yeah i wonder he blew it in those minutes and he never saw the court again but he got a shot
0: yeah I wonder what, what do you think the ceiling is for where Bryant could be at in the rotation by playoff time. Bo-champ. Oh, what did I say, Bryant? Bryant. <laughs> oh yeah, hopefully that's a very low ceiling. Um, I don't. Know. I think he could maybe be like a 10 minute a game guy. I'm trying to think of a good comp. Teague, Forbes, maybe Forbes. Maybe Forbes. Maybe Forbes. Short, short leash, but they give him some run in almost in basically every game. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think probably so. the. Season. If 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 it ends up being more than that, I, I feel like it's irresponsible of us to even imagine that world. That is there's like – an all-star that year, rookie year. Let's not. I don't know. I mean, you just look at the core four, and then Pat, and then Bobby, and then you know maybe one of Hill, Javon. Like, there's just not going to be that many minutes. We'll see what Ingles looks like. You go down the list. If he's playing a significant role every game, I think he must have blown everyone's socks off during the season. Yeah,
1: it is a we we. I'm excited to see. I'll say yes,
0: that. yes. I I know. I wish. I'm glad Team Greece is here, but I kind of wish we could just get the season started. Um, I, I love watching Giannis and the Bros, but I'm ready to watch the whole Bucks team too.
1: Which will be uh, partially Giannis and the Bros. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It's that's certainly part of it.
1: Um, okay, so Dan had two questions, as we mentioned. His second question, Giannis says the big lineups were fairly effective last year and played in higher volume with Brolo out. Do they get away from that setup in the regular season if both he and Portis are healthy? Do you view that model as mission critical to their title ceiling come playoff time? And more than anything, what's the best way to unlock it at this point? Like you play Giannis, Drew, Middleton, and I'd argue Pat for sure, but who's the fifth member of that lineup? It's probably Wes or healthy Angles. But to me it feels like they need to optimize that lineup configuration via trade is that fair or am I going full inaccurate hashtag national analyst you
0: so it's it's interesting it's a great question I, I think it's fair to ask I don't know if they need to make a trade i think I think it's Bobby I think it might be Bobby too I, I mean I think that's that's I think the bucks at least a little bit think that. Because, I mean, they kind of had to just for asset management and everything. But pretty substantial investment made in Bobby. And the trade kicker means that it's going to be hard to move him if he doesn't want to be moved. To me, it feels like they look at Bobby as a, a vital long-term piece. Maybe maybe it's just pure asset management. I think it would not be very buxy to pay that kind of a price tag into the luxury tax for a player they don't see as vital. You know, we've seen them last offseason make a really harsh decision on a player like that. I think they at least feel there's a good chance that Bobby Giannis four or five can be that smaller, but still big enough lineup. And it gets a little confusing. Cause like who's the big is Giannis the big is Bobby the big. They're kind of co-bigs quite honestly, but I do think, and this is something I've thought about a lot this summer. I think that lineup is probably the one I'm most intrigued to see you know the the big three, I think Pat is a good call as a wing player in there. and then Bobby, that is probably the highest ceiling non-brook two-way lineup. and it's gonna be really fascinating to see how it goes. I think those two were overtaxed, trying to do it all of the time, but hopefully getting more reps together as the front court last year, they can take that and build upon it this season with that being more of a quote unquote death lineup not something they have to do every game. because I do think there were diminishing returns on having those two play together as center all of the time. Like, I don't think that's optimal.
1: Oh, for sure. Like, we saw that Giannis Bobby frontcourt was actually very successful during the playoffs last season. Was it good to do in the regular season all the time out of necessity because Brook Lopez was out, as Dan mentioned? Probably not. I don't think we see Giannis, like Giannis at the five lineups Tons this season? I really don't think so. During the regular season, I will say. like, Define with tons. The moves-
0: what? Define tons. Like,
1: 10 minutes a game?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, probably a little... Well, you know, it depends. So, simple math question. If Brook plays 28 to 30, either Surge plays... Or one of Bobby or Giannis is your center for 20 minutes a game.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think we see it for
0: 10 minutes a game. So what are they? Do?
1: I think Surge? you do Bobby. Yeah, I think you do Bobby
0: and Surge. Well, you could do Giannis, Surge. Just Surge in general means to me, I almost think it's like either you have a traditional center and some combo of players, or you don't. Those are like the two configurations in my mind. So either Surge gets dusted off and plays every game, which the surge heads, the con heads. If, if you watch Succession, the surge heads are gonna love. They're the, gonna love the it. Surge essence. No, a surge essence. We need a, some term for the surge mafia in my mentions. Every time anything about surge comes up, you think Bud's ever gonna play Surge? I truthfully didn't. Maybe they'll have to. As you're saying, as you're laying out, um, it probably also depends how seriously they're taking said game. But yeah, I think those are the two options though. As of right now, is either Surge plays. Or you are going to see twenty minutes a game of "quote unquote" small lineups.
1: Yeah, I think we see surge plays. Maybe, maybe this is where Mamu has an opportunity. You know, like there, yeah. there's a chance. Like, if you don't want to use surge every game, like maybe Mamu gets like a few minutes every game. Like, I, I, I think the Bucks have realized that they they have for a few years now, but the regular season does not matter to them. Like they use it, they get antiquated with all of their uh like schemes and all all of that. But then they just they're trying to they're trying to get through it, get to get to the postseason. I don't think they want to put even more of a burden on Giannis than they have to, and playing Giannis as the primary center a lot puts a lot more strain on his body than the Bucs probably want to do. And then they were forced to do last season because of Brooke. Uh, and by the time they actually got like, I don't know, like a true quote-unquote, center and surge. Like, obviously, they had, like, Greg Monroe and DeMarcus Cousins. And you saw those guys play because it's like, okay, we really don't want to put Giannis by five this entire time. Yeah. So I do think they take it even more easy on Giannis this regular season. Like, this guy, he's still he's in the prime of his career. He's just entering the prime of his career.
0: He had an older, you, don't, you don't want to take any risks. Agreed. You know, I think, you know, maybe – Maybe Bobby takes more of the five load in the regular season that swishes in the playoffs. Like
1: that—that that was his original role with the Bucks. Like yeah. in his first season, he was the backup center. Like it wasn't until the postseason where it's like, oh yeah, this guy's a four. We can't play him as anything else besides a four in minutes that matter. But he was the backup five for the regular season.
0: I almost think they both are going to be a little bit four point five. So like I think Giannis needs to box out a little better. That's one Giannis thing he could probably improve upon. I also think there's just an energy conservation thing happening there, and that's why. Giannis so publicly missed Brooke Lopez Um, to kind of underscore your point about Giannis Bobby lineups working last season and postseason. I pulled up the net rating. So this is just all lineups with both. So this does include some, both of them in a center. I would hazard a guess. A lot of it is just them and not a center, but it's a little clouded. But nonetheless, all the minutes that Bobby and Giannis played together in the playoffs, 215 minutes with a net rating of plus 13.2. Which is like really good in the regular season. Those two played over 11, 1109 minutes together with a net rating of plus ten point one. So I mean, some of this is, you know, you could probably put you out there with Giannis for ten minutes a game in the regular season and have a decent net rating because it's Giannis. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I think I do think like clearly it worked to a certain extent. Like they weren't bleeding points in those minutes. And to put it in perspective, like in the regular season. Chris and Giannis played 1,300 minutes together, net rating of plus 8.0. So, like, the Bobby Giannis minutes better than the Giannis Chris. That's a noisy regular season and everything else. But still, like, it it worked. And I think expanding upon it and making that the default smaller lineup, it's intriguing, especially as Bobby himself combatively noted on Twitter. He wasn't a very bad defender in the playoffs.
1: No, I was about to say we've preached this all throughout the offseason. It wasn't the defense that was the problem for Bobby. It was his offense. And I'm much, much more confident in his offense rebounding than his defense sort of regressing, I yeah. should
0: say. and I just think, like, as as skilled as he is offensively, and we know, very skilled. There's very little he can't do on the offensive end. Give him the ball, he'll shoot a pull-up, uh, <laughs> like a pull uh, face-up two on you. Oh, 100% of the time. But it's the same as Grayson. He had to do too much with Chris out. Everyone had to do too much. It's the, the totem pole of offense, right? Like you you take someone out and then everyone else is elevated a spot too far.
1: I'm trying to think like totem pole. Have, you, a good, have, you, used, have you used that before and I forgot?
0: I don't know if I have. It totem is how I think about of it often. though. I think it like, I, I think it always makes a huge deal. when What you about either, a pyramid? Pyramid of offense? Yeah, I think it probably makes more sense because then it falls down a little bit. It crumbles.
1: Yeah. So then when, once a layer is removed, it's uneven.
0: Yeah. The, the layer cake of offense. We missed Chris's delightful layer and the rest of the layers got a little soggy and then fell apart. There we go. That's 20, better than 22 Piers. bucks playoff run in, in one sentence. One weird sentence,
1: but it's a perfect sentence.
0: Let's think about it. First moment before we move on about a trade. Right or acquiring another player. If there is going to be an outside player brought in, Kevin Durant. Besides Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, what kind of player? I won't ask you to name specifics because who knows what the market's going to look. like. I want
1: like. an ultra-efficient scorer who can get a shot off over anybody. <laughs> I want one of the greatest offensive players of all time. Is that too much to ask for?
0: Uh, do you care what his relationship is like with Joe? Sy? No. Okay. Well then there might be someone out there who fits the bill. I don't even know what player type I'd be looking for though. It's so intriguing. I think we've had this combo regarding Grayson a lot of like, you've got to be pretty clearly upgrading. Like I don't know this year. Again, we'll see how injuries, how angles looks, everything else. I don't know what player type you would just need to like acquire. Like, right. You just go like, oh yeah, we, they need one of those on the roster like a PJ Tucker type. I think the problem is there's like one of those and it's PJ Tucker and he just signed with the six. Have you back, forgot I about think. number 37? I try to, I do try to. Have you forgot about the NASA's? Already on the roster. There we go. And uh, They won't need to trade for Costas if they need a new center or Papianas. They would just need to sign them.
1: Uh, yeah. I'm having a hard time sort of thinking of trade targets who would fit that bill. Maybe PJ, if things go wrong for the Sixers. There's
0: no way. I mean, that's just, I I just can't see that ever happening. Grant Williams? uh, I I don't think the other Eastern powerhouses are going to be like, hey, would love for you to have this. you just call the Sixers a powerhouse? I think they're probably top four or five this year, which is pretty good for them. That is true. They might make it out of the second round for us. Let's not get carried away. Yeah, that's true. I think the Raptors revenge is coming with a vengeance this year, to be quite honest with you for the 76ers.
1: If that happens, I am not gonna stop laughing. I wish like, I know I know we're right not popular right now. We are not popular in Canada. I know that, but I'm rooting for you guys in this situation.
0: I feel like we our approval ratings might be growing because we just haven't had a series in so long. That's true. And and I think ever since then we've been relatively high after the Pascal Siakam debacle. I think we've been yeah, relatively high. I think we like Barnes. Yeah, we do. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's hard to think of trade targets, though. Yeah, like 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 let's say someone I've been enamored with, right? Kenny Hustle, which I, A, I don't – like they just extended him. I don't think they really want to trade him. If they he even can't can. be. He can't be. But even if he could, what's in it, what situation do you really want to play Kenny Hustle over Bobby Portis or Pat Connaughton? Maybe There's not. Maybe he slides There's, in over Ingles? Is that the best you're doing? I think so, realistically. Like, is it just injury prevention that we're looking for at this point?
1: Yeah, like we've talked about it in at this point. Like, this roster is loaded. Yeah.
0: I, I just think it's difficult.
1: Yeah, it's difficult to make clear upgrades, especially with the guys who've been extended, who have contracts that fit Milwaukee's salaries. It's just, it's very, very complicated. This might be a trade deadline where uh, Horst is... I say that. He's going to do something yeah. again.
0: I, I think the most likely moves, one, is if Serge doesn't look good, maybe they take another swing at a true backup five. Because I do think there's probably some room between we're going to use our whole MLE on a center who might not play a lot of nights, and sure, Serge Ibaka, why not? I do feel like the team must be pretty confident that he's gotten healthier given that they're signing him after having him in the building. Who knows? Um, But I think that's a possibility and otherwise just like a backup shot creator off the bench if they're not loving Grayson, you know, if Hill isn't looking good. But there's a universe where George Hill does bounce back as I've already started to claim some George Hill stock quietly and bounce into the George Hill redemption arc. And there's a world where you're like, yeah, Serge is fine. He's not great, but he's fine and they don't really need to do anything. Maybe they are quiet for once. Who knows? I think a lot depends too on how Ingles looks. I think there's just question marks. But right now, as it sits, I'm not like, oh, yeah, we need some sort of a move to happen.
1: Yeah, maybe Serge just hated Luca Vildoza and didn't want him to shine. And that's the reason (laughs) he took a lot of shots. Like, maybe that's the only reason
0: that happens. Maybe he was on to something after watching too much Buck Summer League. Not great (laughs) stuff from Luca Vildoza.
1: No, unfortunately not. Uh, Lindell looked good, though.
0: Lindell looked great. I would love that news to come any day. Not that I'm rooting against A.J. Green. But I think Lindell was was a superstar, for sure. Next question. This is a fun one. So, Richard Jefferson, host of the Road Trip and podcast, NBA champion, uh, Road Trip and podcast found here on Blue Wire as well, ESPN TV personality, general aggravator, TikTok star, big resume. For is he a big,
1: is he big on TikTok?
0: Huge on TikTok. Really, Richard has a great TikTok. Right, yeah. Really good okay. talker. Um, on Twitter, it's at rjeff24. You probably already know Richard Jefferson, but that's the at. Um I, I relayed this through some friends with the Blue Wire studio. Shout out to my guy, Jeremiah, for that. But so maybe a little bit of confusion in translation, although I think it still counts as a Bigs Bucks question. Here is the thoughts of Richard Jefferson. Quote, he says there really are no weaknesses. The question is, can Codden take the next step and then if they stay healthy they're the favorites out of the east again. So three three vastly different things going on. One, Richard not buying the Celtics hype, which I love. We love to see. Two, there are no weaknesses, which I think is interesting. And then three, can Carter and take the next step. I don't even know how to process that question. I'm excited to think about it more. I feel like maybe he's tapped into something that's like really like really prescient because Pat has gotten significantly better over the last three years. And I feel like we almost just assumed that would stop because he's a pretty, pretty elite role player. I mean, I said his jersey should be in the rafters. Coincidentally, we have a 2-4 jersey rafters merch available on gspnstore.com that maybe correlates there, maybe doesn't. Who can say? But what if Pat does get better? What could that mean? And what would the next step look like for Pat Condon, who's already, like, you know, Dan's question, like, penciled in as – a closing lineup kind of player.
1: I think the next step for Pat is more ball handling responsibilities. Like we've seen him uh, navigate and be a successful player off ball. We've seen him be a good shooter. We've seen him be a great defender. We've seen him just do a lot of things at the basketball court. One thing that we started to see uh, last postseason against the Celtics when Chris was out is Pat's like, oh, God, if I'm going to have the ball, I guess I should be able to do something with it. His ability to be a pick-and-roll ball handler – To be able to create his own shot, I think that's the obvious next step for Pat, is it not?
0: I I can't decide if it's that or if it's just more shot volume and more more touches, maybe not touches, but maybe more shots off the ball. I think. Well, then we
1: we run into the same issue with Grayson, though.
0: Yeah, but Pat has never struggled to fit in, and and Pat finds shots. The ball finds Pat. Like I don't think it is the same issue. I. I think you're probably right in that he would have to start doing a little bit more with the ball in his hands cuz I think there's probably just an upper ceiling to what a role player can do off the ball like I I might get roasted for this but like and he, I'm certainly not comparing the players like Klay Thompson's probably the absolute ceiling for someone who's just like very rarely creating their own shot and Klay Thompson is like you know, once in a generation kind of a shot maker. That's clearly not Pat. But most of the time you see like tapping out at maybe the teens and points for guys on good teams who aren't handling the ball a lot. You know, if Pat hits 15 points a game though, I do think that is like that's probably a pretty important and seismic shift on the Bucks, being able to move five points off of other players' plates. And again, that's something that probably would make it a little easier not just in terms of having to do less but also better looks for some of the primary options on the team. So last regular season, Pat was at 9.9 in the regular season and 9.5 in the playoffs, although I think it was actually higher against Boston than it was against Chicago, but only 1.3 or no, 0.9 assists per game in the playoffs and 1.3 in the regular season. So which I guess which number Would you be more intrigued in for Pat this coming season? The points ticking up a few more or seeing him do a little bit more handling, do a little bit of passing? I know I talked about it on our shooting guard pod. He had that one really nice pick and roll play with Giannis against Boston. And I think both of us were kind of like, where the hell is, where'd that come from? And what is it doing here? And how can we sign up for more?
1: Exactly. That's what I had in mind realistically. Like, so to answer your question, I'd probably go with the assists because it does mean that he is finding the ball more and doing, he's doing more with the ball, while points would probably be like the ball is finding him more. Does that make sense? The way
0: yeah, like, I think, I think that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So it's just like, if you if you're being if you have more assists, you're creating more. I know assists aren't everything, assists aren't the definition of playmaking sure. and doing stuff with the ball, but it is an indicator of you being able to do stuff with the ball in your hands. Uh, so if we if I did have to say one of those two numbers to go up, I would probably say is assists. Because like I said, Pack Huntington as a creator, like you can I've said this before, you just need as many creators on the floor as possible. Because like when uh it's playoff time, it's intense basketball defenses are going to guide the ball to the player that can do the least with it. So you want to be able to have as many guys on the floor who can do many things with the ball in their hands, which is why you need to be able to have guys to do that. So Pat being able to up his playmaking responsibilities to be able to do more with the ball in his hands, whether that is initiating offense or running some set actions or anything, that would be a massive, massive help for the Bucs. And also just the next step in the evolution of Pat Connaughton as a player.
0: I realized I got the wrong warrior. I think the better aspirational, you know, not really possible, but, you know, it's the best Steph Curry. Possible. Oh, it's Wiggins, right? Wiggins is, I mean, he's the number one overall pick, so it doesn't really work. But that's what he's become more or less. And I think he's not going to get, Pat will never get there at scoring. But regular season Wiggins, in addition to his 17 points per game, four and a half rebounds, 2.2 assists. One steal and about 0.7 blocks where, you know, Pat was, you know, about 10 points, four rebounds. So the rebounding is pretty solid. Again, just 1.3 assists and just under one steal. So, you know, the scoring will never get to Wiggins' level. And Wiggins is, I mean, again, he went first overall in large part because he can score just not quite well enough to be a true number one or I think a true star. Although he did start the All-Star game. Maybe he is a star. Maybe we're just idiots. But I, it's it's. He was the second best player for them during the playoffs. Yeah, it's, that's probably true. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Who who is an aspirational true. role player? Yeah, it is true. For Pat. I think I love KCP. He's kind of already there statistically. I think I think he's already at KCP level. Lakers KCP was like a 10 point per game guy. I mean, you look at his career in Detroit yeah, he, and yeah. last year he was like 13 14, but those are worse teams. So there were more shots for him.
1: I think I think Lakers KCP might be a good shot because he was their third best player.
0: Yeah, for that title team, which Pat will hopefully never again have to be in a playoffs, although he kind of was the the last the last postseason, which was a problem. So maybe 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 KCP is still. But it's like
1: if you have the ability to reach that level but don't need to be at that level, I think that's what you want. That's what you aspire to have on your team is guys who are overqualified for their roles. Like if you if you let's say let's say like this is not comparable at all. But let's say if you have Kevin Durant, or me, I won't say Kevin Durant. I'll say Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, proven multiple, like he can be the best player on a title team, right? Imagine if he is your second best player. That's just, it's overkill, right? Yeah. Like that's what you want. That's what you want on your team. You want overkill at these positions. So if you got have a guy who's capable of being your third best player, but
0: is actually your fourth or fifth best player, that's incredible. Yeah, I don't know. I also think that Lakers team was such an anomaly. I I think it's going to be really hard for a Pat or KCP level player to be top three on a championship team again. I think the Warriors were not deep, but A, they had Steph, which helps. And then they just had a lot of, like, you know, guys who passed their prime, but, like, it's still Clay and Draymond. You have Wiggins, who, again... Former number one pick. Draymond was not. He wasn't. He was helpful in some. He was pretty helpful in some games. Really bad in some games. He was like their
1: fourth best player. Fourth or fifth. I'd say, yeah. I'd say he was their fifth best player. Yeah. I might. Draymond might be out of the top five. It's complicated. Because it's Steph Wiggins,
0: Clay, Pool, Otto, Draymond? What if it's defense for Pat? How, what do you mean? What if the, the next step is his offense mostly remains as is, but he improves further on the defensive end?
1: So, like, how? Like, he becomes, like, an apex?
0: No, not apex. I, I think right now I would mostly turn Pat's defense as fine. What if we move that up to good? I think he's that good. You think he's that good? Like, on ball against, like, solid wings. Obviously, you know, if it's LeBron, LeBron's going to do whatever or who, whichever, you know, apex wing player.
1: I think I think Pat is good. It's just the problem is is size. Yeah. And you can't really improve that unless about- you get like that bone enlargement. Is that legal? Do you think that's legal for NBA players to get like that bone enlargement surgery so you get taller? I hope no if- one ever does that. If not, why haven't people done that? Like, why – if Isaiah Thomas can't find a job, why is he not getting that surgery? Short he's always said, don't do this. No. no, no, no. Like, he's – Isaiah Thomas has always said if he was, like, 6'3", he'd be, like, the
0: best player ever. Be 6'3", then. I, go ahead. Go do it. I don't think you should advocate for this seemingly – seemingly experimental surgery. It's not. It's a thing. Here, I got to lift this up. I, I, I – this discomforts me, but – I just worry. I bring it up because maybe it's off ball. Maybe it's you know do a little bit, not too much like he did, but a little bit more like passing, passing lane stuff for Pat Connaughton because he's almost reached like the apex of role player production. You look at past championship teams, and I read KCP's numbers with the Lakers, like Danny Green on the Raptors, who people loved, right? Seven points, three and a half rebounds, one assist per game. Like there's just it's really hard to be much better offensively as a fourth or lower option than 10 points, about five, six rebounds. Like, it's just, there's just not enough production there when you get to the playoffs. So, I don't know, maybe a little off-ball, maybe a little passing lanes, interruption, maybe that's it. I don't know exactly. The handle would would be really interesting. And I think, I've, I've already talked a bit, and we both have, about, you know, he's become so good as a role player because, Pat can shoot and he's on the high hand shoot. He can shoot right away. And we like the way he drived and finished. He drove and finished last season. Maybe it is adding, you know, now when he drives, he can also, he's better at hitting another shooter or getting it to Giannis on the inside. He does that twice a game and that opens up the offense. Maybe your initial take was the most correct. I just don't know how much like scoring wise we can hope for at this point, because it's already a pretty substantial amount of points given chris Giannis, drew bobby portis you know etc like grayson the list goes on it's just only so many guys are going to score in double figures so this surgery is
1: possible okay uh it costs like seventy thousand dollars that's nothing
0: for nba players it's a lot for normies
1: but it's a thing it's like actually a thing they break your femurs and then like uh, just, uh, what is it? What exactly do they stretch
0: do you, you on a rack too?
1: No, 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 no. So what did, what do they do? Um, so yeah. So they, they cut your bone and then like in half, and then they basically like have like an extender like put in, like screwed in. So yeah. it's like the part of the bone is like separated. So it's just like a long, sounds like a
0: horror story. It's, it's a thing. Yeah. Let's just move on, Doctor Rohan Stein, to <laughs> the next question. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting perturbed. By I your just, I, Were you five ten at one point? <laughs> you seem really invested in this being a good idea, Rohan.
1: I have not, I've not had this surgery, but I, I do think, like, man, Isaiah, if you're listening to this and you want to try it, like, why, why not? At this he, point,
0: he's either gonna do this or not listen to us anymore. If he is, those are the two options. Um. Any other thoughts on RJ saying Bucks no weaknesses, top in the East, and Pat's next step?
1: I think, yeah, we covered Pat's next step. Like, th- we've talked about this team as it's deep. They have answers at every sort of position you would want. Uh, you can throw out a bunch of different lineups, if healthy. Like, you can throw out defense-first lineups. You can throw out offense-first lineups. You can throw out switch everything. You can throw out drop. You can throw out, like, hedging scheme, like, types of lineups. You can do anything you want. If you're the Bucks, you're so malleable because of the personnel that you have. I think, I think RJ is right. I think they're the favorites to come out of the East, regardless of what the Celtics do.
0: We'll see. They have how, the best player in the world. Yeah, they, they do have that. The next question I think gets a little bit at one of their more interesting supposed weaknesses. I think this is, I think it's, it's valid. So Jason Maples, tremendous Twitter follow and host of the Temple of Hoop podcast. On all things NBA, also here on Blue Wire, you know, just so happened we had our Blue Wire, our Blue Wire friends asking for this this episode. It wasn't mandated, but a shout out to our Blue Wire podcasters for getting back to us and providing some really great answers. So at jjmaples Maples underscore MST Maples asks, are you sold on the Bucks' athleticism outside of their core three, outside of Giannis, Middleton, and Drew? The latter two being over thirty. It seems to be their biggest issue. They looked overwhelmed physically in that Celtic series, is why I'm asking. I think this is yes. a really good question. Yeah. You're, wait, you are sold or you're concerned?
1: No, I, I am concerned. This is something that I've been concerned with for a while now. Yeah. Is just the athleticism and why it was so high on what the Bochamp pick. Because he is an athlete. Yes. There, there's little like there's two guys on this team, on this currently on this box team, before I mean, guess three now with Bochamp. We just screams out athlete like oh my god this guy's jumping out of the gym this guy can slash this guy can attack that's the two tetacumpos and marjan so you know like obviously Giannis is Giannis. the nasus the we don't know what we're getting necessarily with marjan yet but i do agree like this team uh they have been overwhelmed physically in that celtic series like they were they were pushed around given they pushed back and Giannis pushed back with a passion i think uh I think I uh, I tweeted after the first game, uh, where it's like the Celtics are trying to overwhelm the Bucks physically and the Bucks for five like jokes on you. I'm into that stuff. Like uh <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh where it's like, yeah, we'll we'll play if you want to play physical, we'll play physical. Like this is the, that's the identity this team is built on. I do think there's a little bit of a difference here between like physicality and pure athleticism. Yeah. Like 100%. a PJ Tucker guy, a Wes Matthew guy, those guys are physical players. They're not overwhelming athletes. Like, it's strength versus bounce, I think, what we're really getting at here. Like, strength versus quickness versus mobility, stuff like that. If you want to get into strength, the Bucks have a very, very strong roster. Yeah. Like, top to bottom. These guys are jack. Like, they, they will not get, like, aside from maybe Grayson uh, and, like, Mamu, who else, who else is going to get pushed around? George Hill nowadays, maybe? Yeah, jo-
0: George is an interesting one. He certainly did in the playoffs, although we know he wasn't healthy. That's a that's kind of a question mark one for me.
1: Yeah, but like everyone else, like Drew Holiday, no, like yeah. you're you're not messing
0: with him. Wes Matthews, no. Chris Chris maybe. That's the so I, I'm really interested. And it, again, it's not close to the top, but one of the reasons it was so frustrating that Chris wasn't able to play against Boston. Was his defense wasn't that good last season? I think whatever metrics say they say, but just watching him, we both noted this several times. He wasn't a very good or impactful defender in the regular season. And we didn't see him much against Chicago. And then, of course, not at all against Boston. So I would have been fascinated to see how does he hold up with Jalen on both ends, assuming he takes reps on Jalen Brown, right? Like, how does that look? Is there more in the tank? Can he tap into it? Or is there just a lesser top gear there? I think that is going to be a huge deal for the Bucs, assuming they run into Boston. Less so, I think, if they see like a team like Philly, where there's just not as many wings. Like, I think you're not as worried about it. But Boston, certainly, with all their wing players and potentially one more big one looming, um, the, the wing defense will matter. And I think that was kind of where they were most taken advantage of to a certain extent. You know, I think the athleticism thing, like even Drew, is Drew a great I I mean, like no, he's an it's NBA it's player. a
1: burst thing. It's a burst thing. Yeah. Like do you have a do you have a strong burst? Do you have bounce? Like, no, yeah, that's not that's not what this Bucks team is built on. That's why I'm so intrigued by Bochamp. Because he's be a guy huge. with burst, yeah. with balance, with mobility. He's a guy who can move around, he can turn tight corners, he can explode like out of like out of his shoes. Yeah. There's no one else besides Giannis honest and Thanasis who can do that.
0: Was that the biggest loss of Dante moving on? No. No, the biggest loss of that part, of losing Dante.
1: Did Dante count, man?
0: Was that what they missed the most from Dante? I think you could argue that. I'm, I'm questioning whether Dante was that to begin with. I think, I think for this for this bugs team, certainly. I mean, relatively, probably, but like... In a general sense, probably not. I think he was their second. Like, you talk about explosiveness on both ends. Pat as well, Pat. Pat, to an extent, he just doesn't do as much. Like, on both ends, Dante would bring explosive plays every game. And he wouldn't always finish those plays. But, you know, he would flash to the rim when not many players were in a game, right? He would go get a big rebound. He would uh, uh, defensively fly through the lane and get – Like, outside of Giannis, who, again, defensively, I just think there's only so much you can expect given the load he carries on offense – Outside of Giannis, it's like the Bucks are. I think a lot of guys who star at one-on-one defense, and Drew can do everything. But it's less about explosion, Drew. It's more like calculated strength.
1: It, it's, it's yeah, it's strength
0: and intelligence. Yeah, it's like it's guile, right? Like if you if you yes. go to the wrong place, Drew just takes the ball. You're trying to you're trying to use words now after I you like, said I've always like, used words. I do more than player names and sounds and stats and numbers
1: but i know but it ever ever since you said i've been i've been winning in vocabulary it feels like you've been trying to put an effort into it
0: maybe maybe um, um, feeling very gregarious rohan maybe <laughs> right. even whimsical As, if we're adding to the lexicon of the viewers it's perfect exactly listeners no, viewers I, whatever yeah it's both actually yeah but I do think that is that is maybe, I mean, the people talked about the on-ball defense and true with Dante, but maybe the explosiveness was quietly as important. I mean, I think Grayson, it's so weird because he's like such a good athlete in practice. But I feel like in games, especially defensively, it just doesn't come out as much. It did sometimes against ball, uh, Chicago, but not regularly. So I think that is maybe one of the ways Marjan could ingrain himself even earlier is if you go – oh, wow, like everyone held up really well positionally on defense for 20 seconds and then Marjon just explodes and steals and it's a fast break. And, you know, you can really, I think, that might be his biggest way to, like, get a spot is if he's bringing someone, no one else, something no one else can bring. Like, is he going to shoot better than Pat, year one, or Grayson? Probably not. Is he going to defend better than Wes on a play-to-play basis? Probably not. But if he's, like, productively more athletic than everyone besides Giannis, maybe that is his way to playing more than we expect in the games that matter.
1: For sure. I think that's definitely his way to get there. And just, like, I don't know. I've I've always been enamored with a guy like Jonathan Kaminga for the Warriors. Yeah. Like, if you can get that type of play, obviously, like, he was a super high draft pick, and that's why. That's part of the reason why. But you, you, can't, you can't teach that sort of stuff, right. you know? Like, you can teach, like, uh, defensive uh, instincts and stuff like that, not instincts. To, a, to an like, extent, you can. You know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. You you can teach players. You can mold players into being good defenders. You can't mold a person into being, like, a super athlete. Unless you're Isaiah Thomas and you're getting the surgery. <laughs> but, like, you you can't really
0: teach vert. There's you can't a... teach burst. There's one more position group we really need to address with this question. The centers, right? Like when they are big, whether it's Giannis, Serge, if you want to throw Mamu in here, they're not athletic. They're not bouncy. They don't have burst. They play – not Mamu, but Brook and, and, and Serge. They play the drop well. They defend the rim well, sort of Serge, but certainly Brook, right? There, there can be forces around the rim offensively as well. But I think Brook in that Celtics series, it was a problem. And I think we saw like against Phoenix in the finals, there are situations when Brook won't be able to play very much because the other teams like whether it's high pick and roll with a non-shooting center or Grant Williams at center and Horford, where he'd have to be out on the perimeter, he just can't. And I don't think that was like a post-injury thing. Again, he it happened in the finals when he was not injured. I think that's just Brook, and I, I do think. You know, if they do find a center eventually, maybe maybe a guy like Walker Kessler, who you anticipate to be able to drop, is not the answer at least while Brooke is still here. Maybe someone who is more athletic. It would be more intriguing just to see what does this look like because we really don't know.
1: Yeah, for sure, and especially like with the center position, it's tough because there aren't a lot a lot of centers who are like super mobile, super athletic. Like you know, who, the last one the-, the
0: Bucks had. John Henson? No, I don't even think he was. I don't think he was an at, athlete. I think Miles. Plumlee. He was long. Yeah, it might be Miles. Was the you most know, springy, athletic. Oh my right goodness! Sometime.
1: I mean, if you're if you're riding a unicycle, you got to be athletic.
0: <laughs> was that Marshall or Miles? That was Miles. Oh, I th- oh yeah, that's right. I think Marshall didn't do it. Or I, I asked him about it. because He was with the herd for a hot second. Uh, yeah, that was Miles. You're right. Unicycle to the strip club, Miles Plumley. <laughs>
1: You rode all the way to Silk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not. It's not that far of it. <laughs> no, we looked
0: like, it up. Well, we were, were, we, were we recruiting Harden? Was that the? Was that yeah. the joke there? <laughs> yeah. I, I it's vividly, like a block away. I, yeah, I vividly remember Google Mapsing it to figure out the exact <laughs> mileage as part of our pitch. I guess it didn't work.
1: <laughs> and uh, not too mad at it.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, it's I, Bucks fans overall probably too low on James Harden at this point, but not too mad at it. No. Yeah, not too mad at it,
1: but athleticism—athleticism—wow, at center, it's tough. And it, It's not going to come as currently constructed on this roster unless you're playing small. super, super small. Yeah. So, and that's just like that's what the that's that's what a center is—they're big dudes. Yeah, that's why it's impre- Like that's why Giannis is so impressive—he's seven feet tall and can do all this stuff. Like
0: that's—it's yeah, a, I mean, a rarity. Yeah, we've talked about how hard is it just to like a flawed replica of Brooke Lopez. It's been really hard, right? Like there's just not that many drop centers who can make themselves useful enough offensively on the bucks. Now it's like, yeah, can we actually get one of those who's also athletic and springy? Like not sure that player exists. No, it's five years ago. Brooke Lopez prime Dwight. Oh yeah. It's prime Dwight. That, that now we're talking something. Anthony Davis, maybe yeah probably. you could probably say Prime Anthony Davis too, based on the way he's looked the last two years, but yeah he does not move the same. I don't even know if he was that was he I guess he was pretty athletic too, yeah prime dwight he put on a, a bunch of weight prime dwight prime Shaq, those guys like when they were really strong and, and fast like that's a different level of dominating the paint defensively but also just jumping out of the gym. we like not a, really like an artist Gilmore, whoa, okay. You've been playing a lot of my team?
1: <laughs> no. Uh, no, I, I recognize I the recognize grades.
0: Yeah. Um, I do play my team. Yeah, I was going to say. I feel like we really haven't had, like, the dominant centers. Like he, I guess you could say Giannis. I, I don't know if I'd call him a true center. No, I don't think he no. is. But right now it's like Jokic, certainly not that. A, a, you know, a fine athlete, but not that. Embiid, who I, is, like, just too big to be that fast. And beat is fast for a guy who's seven three two fifty. Let's put it that way. Yes. Maybe like a Kareem. Yeah. Early Kareem, probably. Like Bill like, Russell, someone like B- Wilt. Yeah, Bill Russell. R.I.P. We used to have a lot of yeah, R.I.P. Bill Russell. The the saddest NBA news in quite some time.
1: But yeah, it's just not not a ton of springy centers. And if they were, they were absolutely dominant. Yeah. It's not someone the Bucks can acquire. <laughs>
0: no, no. I mean it, listen, if they somehow luck into the second coming of Dwight Howard, it's gonna be a fun next decade. Maybe in it's Dwight Howard currently. It's not Dwight Howard currently, I can say that much. Is he still a free agent? I think, I think so. so. Yeah, I kinda surprised JaVale got a deal first and for much, much more if Dwight could sign it all, but
1: Yeah, he's still a free agent. Like he was he was at WWE, I think.
0: He's he's going to have fun no matter what. That's what we know about Dwight Howard. Did he stop yeah. eating 10 pounds of Skittles a day? I think he
1: did. But Probably you know what Dwight. we do know about Dwight Howard? What? That he likes Milwaukee. Shout he out does. Gus Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> he told me he likes Milwaukee. What, what was the, It's like what I think Gus said, uh, he asked him about Dwight. He's like, you never know. I like Milwaukee or something <laughs> like that about his impending free agency or something before he signed with the Hawks.
0: Yeah. Got a bag from them too. Yeah. All right. Last question. I think, thank you. Thank you to our three national NBA podcasters for their, I think really allowed us to look at the Bucks a little bit differently. Um, So thank you to Jason, Richard and, and Dan for the great, great questions. Now, again, we said we picked one listener question. We already hit an hour through four questions, which is very us, but that's Okay. You know, there's a lot to talk about. And a listener who signed as Sam W. Asked us one more question. I think not something we haven't discussed, but probably haven't dove deep on. Driven, dove, dived. Like those, all those words are giving me hell on this podcast. But Sam asks, out of everybody coming back, Javon Carter seems like the only player without a defined role. Where do you guys think he'll fit in with the team this year? Is he the primary backup point guard? Are him and George Hill now in a position battle for that spot? Or is he further down in the rotation and more of a just depth piece? This is intriguing because I feel like Bucks fans and us on the show have mostly kind of glossed over the Hill-Carter thing. I'm like, oh, it's kind of an issue. We hope Hill is better. We hope Javon plays. I don't. I don't know where I stand currently. I guess I need to figure it out by the time you're done talking. But what are your thoughts on on Carter's role? I certainly agree out of, you know, Bobby, Wes Matthews, and him. He's certainly the one with the least defined. I mean, you could argue it's less defined than Ingles, who I think is going to likely walk into pretty significant wing minutes.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like we saw this last last season. Uh, everyone is clamoring for uh, Javon Carter to play when George Hill was playing. Uh it's just I would what I would like to see is Javon start off as the de facto backup point guard. Like he not even maybe not even point guard. He is a backup guard. Like he is in the bench five, I think is a good way to put it. Like current if if we assume Middleton misses a bit of time and we see Grayson and West start, I think you have to see Javon play. Like, there's no other option. And even if, like, even when, I should say, Chris Middleton, Middleton comes back, I think he is sort of in a position battle with George Hill. And that's an upgrade over what he was last year. Because last year, he was just the third string point guard. That's all he was. He was the third string point guard. If if uh, Drew and George Hill are both healthy, Javon's not playing. I think now you see both Javon and George play, especially, like, George Hill very old. Is he, uh, is he healthy? Who knows? Uh, obviously wishing for the best for George Hill, but if you like, I, I want to see there to actually be a positional battle between those two. I want them to be on equal footing, at least, at least on equal footing because that's not what they were on last year.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting to think about like, they're not exactly the same position. Maybe they both slide in at the one, They do different things. I won't say very different because until pretty much the Celtics series when Bud foolishly asked him to guard Tatum, Hill was still, you know, had a very strong, positive defensive impact on the Bucs. Matt Moore shared some of the rotation data. Like Hill is near the top of the league in terms of positive impact on a defense on your team. So I won't say very different, but I think, you know, you don't ask him to do probably the same things you ask Javon to do, or at least you shouldn't. Like, I think Javon, you put him on a smaller offensive player and say, hound him 94 feet, you know, raise hell, spot up for some jumpers, did a little bit of off the dribble work that was intriguing. But Hill is more of solid team defender, good ball mover, better ball handler, play initiator, that kind of a thing. So it might be the same minutes, but I think it is a different role. And I think it's kind of interesting. At some point, there's going to be an odd man out out of the one, two, three. So let's just, let's ignore the Chris injury for now. Drew, Grayson, Chris are going to start at those positions. Then you've got George Hill, Javon Carter, Pat Cotten, Wesley Matthews, Marjon Beauchamp, Joe Ingles. Some of those guys are going to in at the four. And I think, you know, maybe Serge doesn't play every night. Bobby Giannis make up the backup five. And then you can slot, let's say, more Pat and at the four. But even if you take Pat out of the conversation, we're talking about, let's just assume, three backup spots. Let's just talk about a 10-man rotation. Maybe it's more some games. Maybe it's less. Certainly in the playoffs, we would hope it's less. But that's still George Hill, Tavon Carter, Wes Matthews, Marjon Beauchamp, Joe Ingles for essentially three backup spots. You know, injuries may, you don't want to say help with this, but injuries may simplify this. But if the team is ever fully healthy, which we hope this would be a good problem to have, Bud's going to need to make some sort of decision there. And it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, once Ingles is back and and healthy, who doesn't play. I think Javon is maybe the betting option after what happened last season. But he was also really good, and now he's going to have more time to integrate himself with the Bucs. So I'm not sure exactly. I think Wes will always play unless there's some demise we don't see coming. I don't know. I think this is probably the most interesting part of the roster is like like this one, two, three backup thing. Like, how does it shake out? It's going to be really important for the Bucs and Bud to get it right, though. I do know that.
1: For sure. Like, I I think you made a good point there. It's one thing that isn't brought up enough is that Javon Carter was brought in near the end of the season. Yeah. It is hard to get acclimated in that situation. Uh, the last guy they had, I keep coming back to P.J. Tucker – he was a trade deadline acquisition, which is before the way like the buyout deadline and stuff like that. So even he had more time, even though he was hurt. Javon Carter came in with less time to get acclimated with the team. He had like two guys clearly ahead of him in the rotation. It's hard to really make an impact there, especially when you have a playoff run coming. Up. Now he's gotten an entire summer. He's playing with the with the guys. He's been with the guys in Greece. He's been with the guys in Vegas. He's in Milwaukee now. Uh, according to the Bucks Instagram, at least not, that's not any reporting or anything. Uh, but he he's in Milwaukee. He's getting uh, he's working on stuff at the facility. Everything is like he, he's ingrained in this team now. That is a good good sign to see him actually getting rotational minutes. But you're right. Your overall point is right. Like they him and Hill have two different roles. How does Bud manage those roles is going to be very very interesting to see this com- this coming season. But I think I. Still, I'll still say I think Javon plays at least 20 minutes game one.
0: I don't know. I mean, look at – At least 15. Dep- probably largely depends on Chris. 15 feels more reasonable. I think Pat and Bobby, if they're both coming off the bench, if they both play around 20, then there's just not enough minutes left. But it is worth going circling, like reiterating that point of when he came in. Despite the injuries, P.J. actually played more total minutes in the regular season with the Bucs than Javon has so far. Like, same amount of games, P.J. played a little bit more per game, even with missing so much time due to injury. And P.J. was brought in, you know, as a playoff rotation role player. It was pretty obvious all along. You know, they, they had that whole Augustine didn't work out. D.J. Wilson never got it together. They, they, that was the intent and purpose. Javon Carter was brought in like interesting player who was available and they had roster spots after the Dante trade. Like it's such a different circumstance. The fact that he was in the conversation, I think, really shows to how fastly, how quickly he acclimated himself and how well he played. But, you know, he played 20 regular season games and didn't play a ton in the playoffs, although he did play some, especially games one and two against Boston. He actually played a decent amount until Hill got healthy. I think now with the team for 82 before playoffs, it'll give a lot more – he has a more time to realistically build a case to play over Hill and who knows over who else by the time we are to playoffs. I mean I think centering the convo on those two makes sense because I don't know who else you're looking at and going, oh, yeah, that's a one. But, you know, Grayson continues to struggle. What if Hill and Javon both look good? Maybe those two play in some playoff games and and Grayson plays less. I wouldn't expect that, but you never know. And I know a lot of people still want to see Grayson traded too, so he's not even a factor. So we'll see. Um, I will say, just a quick Grayson trade note, Bucks will probably be first in their division. I think unless you're getting a better player, as the Brewers demonstrated last week, you should not trade. Uh, You should not sell if you're first in your division at the deadline. Just going to say that. I I know – People in the NBA believe more in addition by subtraction. I get it. At the same time, you probably should not sell if you're first in your division at the trade deadline. So for me, it still needs to be an upgrade. And then if you're upgrading Grayson, that's even less opportunity for someone like Javon. But that's a whole nother, whole nother can of worms.
1: Yeah. Um, and maybe if, like, let's say you do trade him. Maybe don't just cut the guys to get back.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't trade him for a guy you cut, a two way player who stays in the G League, a worse guard, and so, like Terrence Ross. And then I don't even know it. And then another guy in the G League, actually.
1: Yeah. What a mess. Uh, this is, yeah. It's just an absolute mess. Shout out to Adam and Andrew for <laughs> yeah. uh, doing what they do. Can you imagine if like the Bucks did something like that and we had to wallow?
0: I mean, yes, yeah, yes,
1: yeah,
0: I can. Yeah. But not this year. But
1: not, not this, this year. year. Not this year. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, do we have anything else on Javon?
0: Uh, I think that's it. You know, I think we're both we're both energized. I think it would be hard for him to match the level he played at with the Bucks last year. But if he can do it, I, I think he's going to be able to make a case and have a true opportunity to pe- not pencil, but maybe pen in a real even if it's that Forbes spot we talked about even if it's that Teague spot like Teague I think played more than Javon by late in the Celtics series like I think he should at least be able to get to like 10-15 minutes in playoff games which is it is helpful and and that's not not a bad thing for a player who bounced around the league and was released and you know a, a couple months ago
1: yeah but as he told us he's happy to be in Milwaukee
0: Exactly. And hopefully the uh, the Bucks make him even happier to be in Milwaukee by playing. Yes, sir. Hopefully. <laughs> we shall see.
1: But uh, no, thank you. Thank you, Sam, for the question.
0: Uh, and I think that's our mailbag wrapped up time. It is. Thank you very much to everyone who asked questions. And honestly, we might might put some of the other ones we got in our back pocket when we put out the call in our text line, because there were a lot of good ones. It, there it were a lot of good one. ones in there. Yeah. Shout so,
1: out to everyone who did ask questions. So Yeah.
0: And if you'd like to be subscribed via SMS so you don't miss the next time we put out a call like this or alert about an episode or, you know, whatever it is that we're going to be doing, we're all over the place. But you can text GSPN to 31032 and then you'll get signed up and be in touch with GSPN.
1: Yeah. It's fun. It is. Um. <laughs> uh, We do have one more segment here, Todd. We do. It is choose your fighter. I thought of this one uh, yesterday because it was here in Milwaukee. I know everyone listening to this is not in and around the state of Wisconsin, but here in Milwaukee, it's been very, very warm, very hot, very humid, very muggy, just a little uncomfortable. What do you do when you get something when it's feeling like that and you're like inside? It's like, oh man, what can I do to cool down? Cool down. You get an ice cream. Oh, yes. You do You do get an ice cream. This I is a two-parter. That. So this is a two-part question. First off, what's your ice cream flavor of choice? I'm not even going to give options for this.
0: Mm. I don't really discriminate, but this Good. might be – I'll give you one. I'll give you one. I just want to make it – I'm not very picky about ice cream. Anything with like little nougats or like nuts or chocolates in the ice cream is elite, like a moose tracks, uh, untouchable, like so good. Like the ones Ben and Jerry does, all of them. Oh yeah, I I do indulge in some mint chocolate chip though. I do enjoy it. I know people are split. i don't understand why people hate it i like it too i I think it's a truly elite combination of flavors
1: people are going to stop listening to this because we both think that but we're
0: an hour 14 in i think you know thank you for your service up until this point if you're still listening we'll live (laughs) please please don't stop though yeah please stick around we do like mint chocolate chip though
1: we do mint chocolate is that is that your is that your flavor of choice
0: yeah, I mean, I love. I, I just I don't know if I can count. You know, ice cream with stuff in it. I feel like that's not really a flavor. That's almost yeah. Like let's different. let's let's take out anything Moose any additives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's so, take out additives. Mint chocolate let's chip for sure.
1: Okay, but you're at a you're at an ice cream parlor or something, and yeah. they just have straight flavors. What are you getting? Mint chocolate
0: chip. No, I said take like take out things with additives. Oh, you There's count chocolate chips. A, you count chocolate chip as an additive? It's added in the ice cream. Yeah, that only leaves like two flavors. What are you talking about? What do you mean? It's like it's like chocolate, vanilla, or strawberry at that point. Oh my god, Ty, you need to get out more. What one.
1: other ice creams have no stuff? There's a lot, like mango,
0: there's sherbet. Sherbet's like Sher- Sherbet? Isn't it sherbet? Yeah. What did I say? Sherbet. Oh. I always thought it was uh, that too. It's a very confusing word.
1: There's like whatever flavor you can realistically think
0: of. I don't I, – I, I actually don't love sherbet. Neapolitan is okay. It's kind of just all of them put together. I do love a good vanilla, like a vanilla bean. But I think – I guess that doesn't count. So I'll just say I like chocolate. Pretty basic. I
1: hate chocolate ice cream.
0: Oh, is that why you – is that – okay.
1: I don't like chocolate ice cream at all.
0: Well, you said mango first. Is yours mango? Oh, mine's mango. Mine's yeah. mango. Uh, Never had mango ice cream.
1: Really need yeah. to try it. It's so good. Like peach. Peach ice cream is really good. Never
0: had any of these. Like black currant. That's good. I've had black cherry. That's pretty good.
1: No, currant, currants are different. They're a different fruit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I figured.
1: Uh, but yeah, you need to try more ice cream flavors. Man. I have
0: to get out more. Dr. <laughs> Rohan, tell telling the kids to eat more ice cream.
1: No, I go mango. But chocolate ice cream is... Not good. Like, I like chocolate. I just, I don't like chocolate ice cream. It's not good. And I will go to my grave thinking that.
0: What about chocolate custard? No. Culver's? Really? No. You're saying no to it. Someone gives you chocolate custard from Culver's. You're like, yeah, I'll pass. Yeah. What's your go-to Culver's? What do you get in terms of dessert? Oh, just, okay.
1: Yeah. Can't go wrong with vanilla custard from Culver's. It's a fact. But uh, my second. Yeah, exactly. Please. My second part of this Choose Your Fighter is, are you going dish? Mm. Are you going cone? Or are you going like a, I don't know, like a, what's the, what am I trying to think of? Like a chocolate
0: bar, bar, like an ice cream bar or something. Oh, I I do love a good ice cream, Sammy. Um, I I will say, here's a hot take. I went to, and I'll shout them out because it's a good local business. Even more local than Culver's. Kelly's Creamery, I believe in the Fond du Lac area highly acclaimed ice cream place ice cream was very good i got a little too ambitious with getting like some sort of concoction with you know so much going on marshmallow and sounded good it was a little too much for me i'm too basic but i also at one point i tried their ice cream like the cookie ice cream sandwich so like a big slab of ice cream between two cookies all frozen
1: oh yeah
0: it's good it's not bad it's just too much you know what i mean it's like when like you're at the fair and they're like, here's bacon wrap fried alligator orangutan burger drizzled in char-. It's like, OK, just can I just have two things? Do I need 14 things? I, I don't know. I, that's my old man yells at cloud moment. Some things are just too much. I love a good waffle cone, though. I'm a cone man. I know it puts a little bit of a time trial on you and I don't mind a bowl. But I think the, the whimsy of a cone is hard to beat.
1: I'll always go dish over cone. Oh,
0: yeah. Always. I see. You're very well put together. You dress nice. I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Thank you. I'll take the cone. I feel like you don't want to risk dripping all over yourself. No, Meanwhile, it's just... Me, I'm just like, give me the cone. It just
1: feel, it like... It's that feeling the stickiness too. Yeah. It's like if it drips on you, it's like then it's just
0: uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not great, and, but... And usually, you know, you're probably... Volume wise you're probably ending up with less ice cream. You can only fit so much ice cream. i don't I, let me be clear, as you could probably tell from my mixing too much additives and food take I'm not talking about five feet of ice cream on the cone. maybe two scoops sticking out of the cone. That's the max, but you probably get you, can, you know you can load up a bowl with as much as you want, but I like the, I like the crunch of the cone after. It, ones, t- it takes away from the ice cream for me as well. The ones with the chocolate in the bottom, that is like – like the drumsticks. Drumsticks oh, yeah. are with the the, the coating on the – oh, I got to go get some ice cream. <laughs> I don't like when we do the food ones. The content is great, but I'm always like, uh, oh, I live one minute from a target. I might have to risk it all here. Ooh. Yeah.
1: That's tough. I just have some in my freezer. I might grab.
0: I have uh, chocolate-covered freeze-dried strawberries. Got from Aldi. Not bad.
1: Interesting. Never Very tried those. Yeah. I'm not but, a big strawberry guy. Not ice. What's your cream favorite milk? fruit? This is a b- bonus one. What's your favorite fruit? Hmm. You're gonna hate my answer.
0: I don't think so. I think you're gonna hate mine. I'm trying to think if it's a fruit. I think it is. I, I think they have a wide variance, but at, at their peak, I'm just a sucker for a good crisp grape. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> I know, that's that's no not one's
0: where, favorite fruit. Right? That's not where I thought you were going. It's no one's favorite <laughs> fruit. I love grapes, and I've had some. You know, you get bad grapes sometimes. It sucks. But that a, threw really, me oh, a tight, a tight cluster of grapes. <laughs> t- man, it's just so good. Very refreshing. That
1: really threw me off. <laughs> a grapefruit. I just yes, grapes are fruit. I just yeah. not a grapefruit though. Uh, no, no. I thought I'm you were gonna say name. like a nice crisp apple. It's like a nice crisp grape. I
0: just, <laughs> I, I, like, uh, I like, I like, I uh, like an apple. I, like I know, but really gri- like crisp is
1: not a word I would associate with a grape. But That's what mean, there's, a, there's a
0: certain crunch. No, know, I agree. Fruit. I understand yeah. what you're saying. No,
1: you're you're well within your means to say use that word. That's not what I expect.
0: Yeah, no, it's fair. I don't think anyone before has ever been like my favorite fruit a grape. <laughs> Also, if you factor in their role in wine, I think grapes really run away with it, but I was not, because I think that's unfair. Yeah.
1: Mine's a, mine's a cherimoya.
0: Oh, yeah. I think you've said this before. I, I still don't know what it is. Can I find Ooh. one of these in a store? It's difficult. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever, because, you know, you see, like I've seen a dragon fruit in the aisle. I'm like, oh, this is something I won't buy. You see kiwis every so often. You know, the fruits Kiwi. that you don't see every day. I've never seen that.
1: I'd say my second favorite is probably a mango, though. It makes sense.
0: Or, or guava. Yeah. So you're like the tropical fruits.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, Those yeah. are the, they're so nice. Peach. But if you ever get a chance, yeah, peaches are good. If you ever get a chance to try a cherimoya, anyone, you do that, like, do it.
0: I will. So good. I want to now. It's your favorite fruit. I, I, you it should is. try a grape.
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I will go. I will go try that time.
0: Watermelon I'll reach into my fridge and try it.
1: What is? Watermelon watermelons elite.
0: We could this, this is the new, you know, guys naming athletes, guys naming fruits. This is the new, guys. the healthy take on that game. More inclusive of people who don't follow sports. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, Ty. Cantaloupe. I was going to say muskmelon, which is the other name for cantaloupe. We're yeah. on the same page. Underrated. Very underrated. Melons in general are underrated. It's because they're weighed down by the, the honeydew. Honeydew's good it's okay. it's not as bad as people say, but it's okay,
1: yeah, it's fine like I would put can I'd put them at the bottom of like watermelon canful of honeydew yeah. Honeydew's at the bottom, but it's yeah. still
0: good I, I think the issue with honeydew it's always in like those fruit platters. I don't think it's easy for it to dry out there, but a good honeydew is is pretty damn good, yeah like if you're if you're cutting it yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think all all the melons. You want to you want to get that fresh cut. Not all of it's going to make it in the bowl when you're cutting it. That's part of the joy. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's not one of my not not so great fruits. Papayas. Not a big papaya
0: guy. Can't say I had that much papaya experience. I think I ranged really highly on pears. Pear. I was thinking pears. As well. I was. In my head,
1: I was like, "What's Ty?" I was putting bets on myself, like, "Ooh, what's Ty's favorite fruit going to be?" Pears came across
0: my mind. I really, it's really up and down. I think there's really elite pears. Sometimes they're like sandy, though, like too yeah. sandy. I don't know what goes on in pears.
1: <laughs> Some weird stuffs going on in pears, making them all gritty.
0: Mandarin oranges, though. Yeah, regular are- oranges kind
1: of disappointing to me lately. Nah, nah, they're mandarin okay. mandarins. It's concentrated, that's why. Yeah. You get the concentrated flavor, we haven't said cherries, cherries are pretty good, just like the, any any pitted fruit it's yeah. just like it's more of a hassle. It, I say that is. when I say cherimois is my favorite fruit, but they have a pit well they it's like it's like a little bit of like how do I say like custard wrapped around seeds,
0: oh okay, are you, So you you just got like a seeded watermelon are you spitting, yeah, okay,
1: but uh cherries cherries are good apricots,
0: yeah. I'll what are pitted haircut. fruit's
1: called? I can't remember the word.
0: Uh no, I don't know. I thought I had it for a second. I realized I didn't.
1: What is it called? Stone fruit. That's what they oh, call it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can't go wrong with like a raspberry. We're, we're gonna go on forever. We should end this podcast.
0: Raspberry was I'm glad we said raspberry. Blueberries are yeah. good. Raspberries blackberries. Yes. All the berries. I don't know if they I don't blueberries, know if they miss with blueberries.
1: Blueberries are overrated. That's my hot yeah, take. Yeah, I agree. Blueberries are very overrated. Kind of mushy. Raspberries are
0: too, but raspberries are worth it.
1: Yeah. They have a tight window or a small window of when you can actually eat a blueberry. And it's like they have such a wide range. Like you
0: could be within that window and they're still super
1: sour and you're like, great.
0: And the problem is with some of these berries, not blackberries, which get sold in the world's smallest container. If you want a good deal on blueberries, you need to buy a pallet of blueberries. It's like, okay, I don't want to eat that many berries. Berries in two days. Hmm. We have a lot of thoughts on fruit and berries.
1: <laughs> this wasn't even my chooser fighter. This is—I should—I should have kept this one in the bank.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe maybe eventually. Well, we know our preferences now. We'll circle back in a year when we forgot. We can make each other choose yep. fruits. <laughs> I'm sure we've repeated these. No, yeah, we have. I remember hearing about the cherimoyo before. That's true. Vaguely. That's true. Vaguely. But yeah. I
1: think I talk about it too much. I'm right missing. I even, my sister texted me yesterday that she had one and I've been thinking about them ever since
0: I I feel like I need to do some sleuthing I really want to find one now I me too it's like I, I found it once at a Meyer I was gonna say are we talking like Meyer pick and save stores or is it like are you going like you know the the smaller grocers it's
1: I I don't know there's no guarantee of it being anywhere like I, I said I've seen it once in a mire
0: but once. Mexican grocery store? Or no, is it not really? I don't know. It's tough. Well, yeah, it
1: if, tough. if anyone knows, if anyone out there yeah. has a Cherimoya hookup, let us know. Let me know, more importantly. Any,
0: any Cherimoya plugs listening, please reach out to Rohan expeditiously. Yes.
1: Please do. Isaiah Thomas, get that surgery. Yep. And here we are at the end of another <laughs> episode of the Eurostep here on the Eurostep Podcast Network. And the Wire Podcast Network. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, thank you, first and foremost. But make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast platform of choice. YouTube, make sure you are subscribed. Check out gspn.info for all of our links. Uh, Substack, Discord form, uh, whatever. Uh, just everything, GSPN is on there. Uh, make sure you leave a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, but yeah, until, until next pod random, and we'll talk to you next time.